Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Okay, so Father, we thank you so much for your word today as we get into it. Lord, thank you for helping us as we look into your word. Lord, thank you uh, that we acknowledge we cannot minister without your help. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak and help. And Father, we thank you that everyone has ears to hear and what we look into the word today. Father, that you will open it up. It will be revelation and we'll leave here different and changed because of your word and your Holy Spirit, Lord, and we'll be more fruitful in your kingdom. If you can agree with that, can you give a great big amen? Amen. So we're on the third week of a series called Supernatural, and we have two more weeks left. Here's our roadmap on what we're doing. Uh, so the first week we talked about more than human, uh, and these are all online if you want to listen to them. The second week we uh, had a message that was called uh, Free from Sin. That was last week, Supernaturally Free from Sin. Today we're going to talk about supernatural leadings and then next week we're going to have a combination service where there's testimonies and teaching and it's going to be testimonies where people followed supernatural leadings and had supernatural results. So that'll be next week. And then the last week, you know, the Bible says that every joint has a supply and that's not marijuana joints. That's like... (laughs) people and we all are like joints in the kingdom like we all have a supply so we're going to look at that the last week okay so here's the main text that we use in first corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3 that text was for you are still carnal for we're, there are envy strife and divisions among you are you not carnal and behaving like mere men so what we pointed out here we wanted to talk about that last phrase we don't want to make a big deal out of anybody being carnal we want to make a big deal out of the fact that it says being like mere men so there uh, there's different translations of this and we're going to look at them but you know once we get saved okay we are no longer just natural we become supernatural so here's some other translations about that uh, it says uh, the manner in the manner of men do walk so there is a way people that do not know Jesus and confess him as Lord there's a way that they walk but then there is a way that Christian supernatural people walk two different walks there then another scripture says behaving yourself after a human standard Uh, And so there's like a human standard that's out there, but then there is a supernatural God standard that we have. Then another translation says, are you not influenced by the flesh and behaving like unregenerate people? So the people that do not know Jesus and are not saved, the Bible says they're unregenerate. There isn't the life of God, so there is a way that unregenerate people behave, but there is a way that born-again supernatural people behave. And then the last translation is, are you, aren't you living like people of the world? So people of the world live one way, but God's people should live a different way. So when we are around people, we should talk, you know, without any pressure, no guilt or condemnation. But, you know, when we're meshing and rubbing shoulders with the world, we don't have to talk like them. We don't have to think like them. We don't have to act like them. We don't have to do any of those things. That's what we see in the Bible. Okay, so we're going to move on today. That was just what we've, that was our scriptures that we have used to get into this series. So uh, when we become supernatural, the Bible talks about us then being able to be led by the Spirit of God. And so Patsy brought that scripture up last week and she showed it the context that it's in 
where it was, and we notice there that when it talks about being led by the Spirit, it's actually in the context that we are supernatural and we don't have to behave and act like the world. So that was part of the context that's in, but it also implies too, uh, without pulling it really far out of context, it's also saying if you're a Christian, God will lead you. He'll guide and lead us. And we even know we have other scriptures that say that same thing. So today, what we want to look at is we want to talk about the ABCs of supernatural leading. All right, so we're just going to, we can't cover it all in one day, but these are just some good basic things that will help us. So here's the first thing we want to talk about today, and that's this, that when, you, when it comes to this, it's like we should be led and not driven. Okay, and we'll give a few stories about that. So when you think about being led versus driven, uh, we're not to be manipulated and controlled by anything or anyone from the outside. Okay, so uh, God leads us and he doesn't manipulate and control us. Uh, he allows us to make decisions uh, to, and follow him, okay? And what the devil will do, and if you're with us today, you might say, well, I don't know if I believe in the devil. That's okay. You know, if you keep in, stay in the Bible and keep reading and you, you, you can get more light, but if you do believe there is a devil, then you know that he wants to drive and manipulate and control that's what he would like to do. But the Father God, he will lead us and guide us. It's totally different, all right? So I'm going to tell you a story to help illustrate this today from Smith Wigglesworth. So if you haven't been around in, in the kingdom of God for a long time, let me tell you that who Smith Wigglesworth is. He uh, was born in Yorkshire, United Kingdom. He was born in 1859. He went home to be with the Lord in 1947, uh, and he wrote many books. He has a number of books out, uh, an amazing guy. Uh, he has a devotional out. It's a thick one, and it's a long one. Like, so we would, when we had our kids at home and they were young, we used what we called faith food devotional, and it was really brief where you could read it in a couple minutes. And then Patsy said, hey, let's do Smith Wigglesworth for a while. So we switched over to Smith Wigglesworth devotional. It's like a bigger book and a couple pages for each one. And we realized that our kids weren't able to pay attention that long, so we had to switch back over to faith food. But while we were in there for a couple weeks, we ran across this. We went to the date that we left off on the other one, and it got us all the way to page 500. So on page 500 to 507, there is a story that Smith Wigglesworth tells, and he gives this scripture, first of all. It's 1 John 4 and verse 1, and he gives this scripture. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So he uses that scripture, and then he tells this story. So here's the story. Two sisters were saved in the, his meeting. Uh, this is Smith. Filled with the Holy Spirit, they were zealous to be missionaries. And then one of them heard a voice, not in the same time, but down the road. One of them heard a voice in her head. The voice said something along these lines, Will you obey me? If you will obey me, I will make you the most wonderful missionary that ever lived. And then here's Smith Wigglesworth saying, Oh, beloved, try the voices, try the spirits. Only the devil promises such a thing that, but she did not know this, she did not understand. This was exactly what she wanted, but it was her heart's desire, do you see? And she was so moved by this. And then he, it goes on for a number of pages, so I have to condense it to 
This is from me condensing him. The voices robbed the two of their peace for a while. That's what he talks about, how they were robbed of peace. Now, picking back up to Smith Wigglesworth again, he says, therefore, if these voices take away your peace, you will know that they are not the will of God. But if the Spirit speaks, he will bring harmony and joy. The Spirit will always bring three things, comfort, exhortation, and edification. So that's what uh, Smith Wigglesworth is saying. And that's like the difference between being driven, pushed, or manipulated or anything versus being led by the Holy Spirit. There's, it's comfort, exhortation, edification. There's peace and joy in that, okay? So here's the end of the story. It took three difficult months before these two young women were delivered from their delusion. The wonderful thing is they were delivered, okay? So God delivered them, and then later down the road, the door opened for them to go to China to be missionaries. So isn't it interesting, when somebody does get saved, God will put some things in their heart, but sometimes, like even the fact that if the devil knows it, he'll try to come in and try to push and drive people into something, and it robs them of their peace. Okay, so they, these ladies were correct. They were called to be missionaries, but he was trying to drive them and push them that way, and it had to be in God's timing, and God led them there. So that, that's what we want to learn from this. So here's uh, how it ends up with Smith Wigglesworth. He said, how could they have known that it was a false voice? How can you know, he said. And here's his answer. Anything that robs you of peace isn't the Lord. Anytime there is pressure to do something tomorrow, that's not the Lord. So we know that, you know, uh, we don't have to, you know, thank God it's by grace and thank God that he leads us forth with peace. So the first thing that we want to make a note of, ABCs of being, having supernatural leadings, that God leads us and he doesn't drive us, okay? The, the second thing that we want to look at is this, and that is if you want to have supernatural leadings, you want to stay in position to be led. Now, you'll see what I mean by that. You notice that there's a word there called offense there, so that word. So how do you stay in position to be led? Well, we could really go on for a whole series on this because there's certain things that will remove us or take us out of position for God to supernaturally lead us. And when that happens, then we're not being led by God. So the way that the Lord explained that to me was like this, uh, that offense is not when you're moved by offense that is not being led by God when offense moves you okay so what that is is like you're surrendering to the person that offended you and they are now actually leading your life because you you were offended and you surrendered to that so your decisions now are based upon who offended you and you're no longer having supernatural leadings but somebody else has come into your life and they are now taking control so I'll just give you a story on myself and tell you how this almost happened to me uh, and, and how, I, by the graciousness of God, I didn't give in to it. I've said this story before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of highlight a different area. So I, right when, before Patsy and myself got married, I was in a singing group called the Ramus Singers and Band. Some of you might have never heard of them and we served a larger ministry, and we were the singing group that traveled all around, and I was like the, the, the manager, the boss of the group, and, uh, and so I had an office. I, wore, I got to wear a shirt and a tie, had a name played on the office, all that kind of stuff, and when we were going to get married, uh, our superiors, the Hagans, uh, 
who we work for, they gave us this advice. They said, I'm going to turn 34 on my honeymoon. She's a few years younger. They said, you guys have been independent for a long time, and our suggestion is, Tony, you get out of the singing group and you do something different because you two need to spend time together because you've been independent and you need to learn how to get meshed as a couple, and that only comes by spending time together. So I, I was just so happy finally to get married, getting ready to turn 34, and I'm thinking about our honeymoon. So I said, no problem, great. Okay, I'm out of the group. I'm out of the singing group. We went on our honeymoon. That's all I'm thinking about, marriage and honeymoon. And we got to go to Italy and England, like those two places, like beautiful countries for honeymoon. So then got back after our two-week honeymoon, and then the first day back to work, I'm going to the warehouse into the mailroom with concrete floors and everyone wearing work clothes. And then I stood behind a, a table for eight, well, not eight hours, about seven hours, because we had to then drive to the post office after, seven hours a day stuffing books in envelopes like these books that we have here, wonderful books, putting on the stamps and then putting them in a big container. Then we took the containers down to the post office at the end of the day and mailed out books. And we did that five days a week. I mean, th that ministry was peaking and people were buying books all over the world. So it was a great privilege to be able to send the word out. But because I was offended, I didn't even interpret that as I'm sending the word out to the world. It was more about they took my office away and I'm doing something different. And, you know, so I was offended. So I did it for one week. Then I, on, after one week, I went in the next Monday. I worked Monday. Then I went home, and me and Patsy are at home. And, and I said, with my attitude, I said, who do the Hagans think they are to put me there? Like, you know, and here's what happens, you know. You can get so big-headed, so you're working for a large ministry, and uh, they're the ones that gave me what I had. I didn't. It was by God's grace that I was doing it. But you get close to the leaders, and then you think you have a right to even talk that way about people's ministries that are affecting the whole world, and you're only doing what you're doing because they gave you an opportunity. And I go, who do they think they are? Yeah. Familiarity. You get familiar like that, you know? So... I went in the next day and put my resignation in, and then in the morning, and so in the afternoon, who comes walking into the mailroom was Kenneth Hagin Sr. himself. And he would walk slow, and he would always go like twiddle his thumbs, and he'd a lot of times be praying in the Holy Spirit. So he walked in slow, praying in the Holy Spirit, and he walked right up to me, and he goes, I hear you're going. And I said, yes then here's what the, the whole point of this, listen really good. He said, where are you going? Such an easy question, but here's the thing about offense. I never thought about where I was going. I was so offended that I just wanted to go, but I never thought where I was going. So then with my lightning quick mind, I came up with an answer in 30 seconds. I had an answer for him because I thought he said I needed to spend time with my wife. So I got the answer. I said, here's what I'm gonna do, Brother Hagan. I'm gonna fly out on a Saturday minister at a church Sunday morning and Sunday night, fly back on Monday, and spend the rest of the week with my wife. And I'm only going to do that twice a month, and all the other times I'll be spending that with my wife. I thought that would make him happy. Well, he just looked. He didn't say a word. He turned and walked out the door and never said a word to me. So we went home, I went home that night, and here again, my attitude. I said, do you know what Brother Hagen did to me? And I told her, and she was quiet. She never said a word. 
And so we went to bed that night, and in the middle of the night, like around three in the morning, I jumped up, like the Holy Spirit woke me up, and it woke her up, it was so sudden, and she goes, what is it? And I go, I'm missing it, I'm doing the wrong thing. I, I, I gotta go back and withdraw my resignation. And, and she, Patsy goes, well, I knew that, and I've been praying for you, and thank God, you know. But I thought, well, we've only been married about three weeks at the time, or like going on our fourth week, and I thought, thanks for not nagging me, you know. Thanks for praying, you know. So thank you for that. But she knew it, and she could tell that I was offended, and I was letting offense make my decision. So you see what I'm trying to say, that if you get offended and make decisions, you don't really know if you're being led by the Lord. So it's really good for Christians that we practice and we get really good at forgiving. And sometimes people have say something, and they don't even know they said it, they, don't, they didn't read the book, How to Win F Friends and Influence People. So they'll say things, and they don't even do it with a wrong heart. They just happen to say it, and you, we take it, and we, we, we just think about that whole thing, and, and it actually ruins things in our life. So as Christians, we should get really good at forgiving and letting go. That keeps us in position to be supernaturally led. So the way that that story ended, I, I withdrew my resignation, and two years later, it wasn't till I thought, okay, I'm willing to do this forever. I let go. I'm willing to do this forever. Then the Lord came to me when I had no ambition in anything of myself, and the Lord said, it's time for you to go now. What a difference that made, because when I let the Hagans know, they actually came to my going away party. I got hands laid on me and all this in prayer, and they blessed me and all that. It was so different than the first time. It just happened to be two years later. It was in God's timing. I actually then had a supernatural leading because the Lord came and spoke to me and I didn't move off of offense. That's a big difference, okay? Here's another one. And I'm, like I said, we could do a bunch of these, but just two for today, like selfishness. Okay, so the selfishness thing, like we're living in this me generation, it's about me. So how can Christians effectively live in this generation and not act and think and become like the world? Well, we have to stay with the Bible, and the Bible is really clear that we are servants. And our first thing is we're here to serve. So it's, it's like kind of the balancing factor. If we just think what we do is we're here to serve, so it doesn't then become all about us. Uh, so I'll just give you a couple scriptures and then we'll say a few things about it. You know, this one is 2 Timothy in 3 and verse 1. It said, but understand this, that in the last days there will be come times of difficulty. And look what it says. It says, for the people will be lovers of self. So this says it's going to happen in the last days. Well, we don't have to fold. We don't have to give in to this. We don't have to become lovers. In other words, that we're just in it for ourselves. It's about us. And, and, you know, and this is even about spiritual growth and about positions and titles. You know, it, it should never be about, it's all about my spiritual growth. It's all about, you know, we all want to grow spiritually. We all want to get better, but we don't want to do that at the expense that we're, you know, like we're, we're like, you know, not right with other people. We're not doing the best thing for them because it's all about us. Does that make sense? And here's another, I love this scripture that Philippians 1.23 says. Uh, it says, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But I love how, then he says, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. And I love that about Paul because he, he was saying, hey, this would be really good for me, really better, but I'm not in it for me. I'm in it for you, and it's better that I stay for you. Just think if every Christian, you know, became like that where it's not about us, 
but it's about us serving and we're in it not for ourselves but for actually other people so you can see that he paul was torn between two desires but he chose what was better for the kingdom of god so in this me generation that we're living in we're always going to get torn between these different desires what we can do to stay in position to be led by god is to always choose what's best for the kingdom and that keeps us in position to have supernatural leadings so with this in mind this statement uh, as i was meditating this sentence came into my spirit and the sentence is this when the kingdom and all it involves is our first consideration we are positioned for supernatural leadings so that's the way to stay in position uh, when the kingdom is number one and we're not number one okay and then another thing that came into my heart uh, was this another statement allowing compassion to swell up in us will replace selfish motives okay where you just make a choice that you're going to allow compassion to swell up in your heart and and you're not going to do things for other reasons so the whole thing about like if you you know like i want to do this because maybe I could become famous or I want to do this because I want to leave a legacy. And, you know, if, if everyone just follows the Holy Spirit and does what God does, that's the only legacy we need. We, we don't need to be any more than what God is leading us to be. We don't need to, it's thank God that we can live the kingdom of heaven as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We don't have to give in to any kind of pressures or anything like that, okay? So, um, so, so uh, along those lines, and I, I left out even a statement earlier, uh, that this statement that I, I do want to make, because it kind of goes along with this, uh, that, um, no, it's, it's later on. I'll say it later, so we'll continue here. So, um, so okay, so that's good. Let's go on to the next one. So here's the third one, okay? So the third thing about ABCs for being led is to Caesar and to God. Okay, so it's kind of weird, but I didn't know how to get it out any with, I wanted to try to keep very few words there, so I'll explain it. When Jesus walked on the earth, he said, render to Caesars what is Caesars, and to God what is God's. So there's actually, I believe, something in that for being able to be supernaturally led, that we have to live in the world, and we have to be aware what is Caesars and what is God's, because here's why. When Jesus walked on the earth, it was very interesting that he acknowledged that he was living in a place where the Roman government was doing, uh, like running things, and he actually said, now when it comes to paying taxes, I acknowledge I'm here, and the Roman government wants taxes, so he said, give to Caesars what is Caesars, and then give to God what is God. So Jesus, uh, when it came to those areas, now Jesus wasn't gonna say, well, the Roman government is into uh, adultery, so it's okay. No, he did not compromise the word of God, but he did accept the regulations that the government had put in place. So we said, do that. Give to Caesars what is Caesars, and what, what is the Lord the Lord. So with that in mind, here's a story. <clears throat> when I was doing the singing group, like I said, and I was the, the, the guy that, I was the boss, so I had to do some things. So we had to be there at 8 in the morning, and we were, we were there from 8 to 4.30 or something like that. So we had devotions every morning at 8 o'clock, and so one of the guys in the group, you know, he start coming in at 8.30 every day. And he's like mission, miss, missing devotion. So it was my, my responsibility to talk to him. And I said, hey, 
you know, why are you coming in at 8.30 every day? You're like missing devotions. He says, man, he said, when I, I get into the Word and I'm doing my devotions and then I start seeing things and he said, I just get so into God and into prayer and in the Word and I just want to stay there. And I said, well, you're going to be staying there for eight hours a day or longer because you're going to be fired soon. I had to, and I said, because we started eight around here. I said, so here's an idea. Get up earlier and start your devotions earlier because we started eight around here. Does that make sense? I, I know I don't want to come across like a hardcore dude, but the guy was supposed to be there at eight like everyone else. So like give unto Caesar, like what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So if we want favor where we work and we do things like that and he's doing it all like thinking well god is leading me i was in my the bible and god gave me something and i just had to stay with that well god's not going to lead you to do that and then violate your contract where you work that's not the way god does it okay and then uh, here's another story this happened with me i um I, I, I went to Tulsa, as I told you, and I was a machinist when I went. So I, I was like a, what they call a class A machinist, which that's like fully qualified and, and all that. So I was able to get a job really easy because I had those qualifications. So I got a job in a machine shop, and it was a born-again, spirit-filled guy that went to the same church I did. He was the head usher at the church. So um, his name was Eldon, okay? So he's like the head usher of the church I'm going to. I, I met him. He said he had a machine shop. I said, are you hiring? He said, yes. I went there. And he hired me, and he said, you're already my best machinist because I'm from the Northeast, and when all the Europeans went over to America, they were the ones that became skilled tradesmen, and then, like, the South was developing, so the, the Southerners always wanted to try to get the Northerners to come down because we were better at skilled things. So I'm down in the South there in Oklahoma. He said, you're already my best machinist. But then even though I was, here's what he said. He said, he said, you see that there's a lot of open area here in my building where there's like machines that used to be there and they're not, yeah. And he said, you know why? He said, because I hired all born-again Christians and he said, they just wanted to fellowship and talk about the Bible and they didn't work. And he said, and I went bankrupt and I had to sell half my machines to get out of bankruptcy. And he said, now I only have my businesses half of what it was. And he said, because I hired Christians that wanted to talk about the Bible and pray when they should have been working. And he said, so if I see you doing that, I'll fire you or anyone else. He said, because I'm not going to go bankrupt again. So I, I, okay, give unto Caesar. I got it. So that was it. So he said, you start this time, you have a 15-minute break, then you have lunch, then after so many hours, you got another 15-minute break, and then you get to go home. And he said, and then you work in between. So I said, fine. So you see what I'm saying? Like, if we want favor where we work, it's really wise to do exactly what we're talking about here. Does that make sense? Okay, so this came into my heart about this, like, uh, this set sentence, like, honoring superiors or parameters positions us for God's favor and also for supernatural leadings. So the first thing that we can do when we're working is, first of all, honor our superiors and then the parameters that are put in place. If they want you start this time, and then you get a break, then you get lunch break, honor that, work hard, put those things in place first. Be respectful to the, the, the superiors. That positions, first of all, for us for favor, but then it also probably will open the doors so we can actually follow in a supernatural way where we work because of the favor. Does that make sense? So those, those are some of the things that will help us to be 
supernaturally led. So I put this little thing here that there is a time to work, study, pray, read, and, pray, and play. P-L-A-Y. There's a time to play too. And God wants us to have a balanced life. He wants us to have fun. He wants us to play. But then he, there's a time to work. There's a time to study, pray, all of that. And it's just really up to us to learn how to balance our lives. And God will help us all do that. Uh, and here's the next thing we want to talk about then, uh, about these ABCs to be, have supernatural leadings. And that's this, don't get fleeced. Okay, don't get fleeced. Now, you might not know what fleeced is. It's in the Old Testament there, and you can find some things where they put a fleece out. But just to make it easy, a fleece is something like this, where you say, God, if you do this, then I'll see that as being you, and then I'll do this. Now, that sounds really good. Doesn't it sound good? But that's really not the way that God leads us in the New Testament. So it's, it's like... Because, and why is that? Why wouldn't God do that? Because as soon as we say, God, if you do this, then I'll take that as being you, and then I'll do this, because somebody else is listening when you say that. And he's really happy to step in and do something to mislead. So I, we don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but the reason I asked uh, them to put this book up here today, it's called How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God, and this book has all of that in here. It has something on how not to be fleeced. But I'm just going to give you a quote to help. And then it'll, if it inspires you to get into this book, but this book is how you can be led by the Spirit of God, you can see that there's no way to cover all the material. So here's what, uh, on page 48 and 49, it says, It is dangerous for New Testament spirit-filled Christians to put out fleeces. I know that from the Word, and I know it from experience. So that's all I can really say today so we don't go on forever. But then what can help us not to be in that category is we'll just talk real briefly about these three things. So let's talk about like the principal ways that God leads us. Okay, and we'll just talk about three principal ways that God will lead us. And that's the inward witness, the inward voice, and the voice of the Holy Spirit. So let's just talk about those briefly. Now here again, this book has it all in here. There's a chapter on each one. So I'm just going to read you some quotes now about each one from this book. And if you have a hunger for it, you can download this on iBooks if you don't want to carry it around or you can buy it here at our bookstore. Uh, but it's one of the most easy to understand books on how to be led by the Spirit of God. So this first one uh, of Inward Witness this is quotes. This is just quotes out of this book. It's, it, so uh, it, it's uh, Kenneth Hagin, not me saying this. Jesus also said to me, under the new covenant, it does not say as many as are led by prophets, they are the sons of God. The New Testament says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Then he said, this is the Lord talking to him, the number one way, the primary way that I lead all of my children is by the inward witness. I am going to show you how that works so that you won't make the mistakes you made in the past. Many times we, now this is, that was the Lord talking to him. Now this, um, I think this is back Brother Hagen and not the Lord. He, he says many times we ignore the inward witness. We want something out of the sense realm. We seek the sensational and miss the supernatural. Let's learn that God leads all of his children primarily by the inward witness. 
Okay, so that's all I can say about that one, but you can learn more about it in here. Let's say a few things about the inward voice now. Okay, so the inward voice, and here's, this is just a quote again. The inward man who is a spirit man has a voice just as the outward man has a voice. We call the voice of the inward man conscience. We call this voice the still small voice. Your spirit has a voice. Your spirit will speak to you. So that's all I'm going to say about that, but you can see that these are things that, uh, that you can learn more about in here. And then let's just say one other thing now about the voice of the Holy Spirit, all right? So there is a difference between the inward voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirits and that still small voice, which is the voice of our own spirits speaking to us. So what is the difference? So here it is really in a nutshell. When the Holy Spirit within speaks... It is more authoritative. Sometimes it is so real, it almost seems to be an audible voice. You may even look around to see who said it. So that is not the order of these things is the number one way is the inward witness. And then secondly, the inward voice. And so the third one isn't the number one way, but I'm sure you guys, including myself, there has been times when the voice of the Holy Spirit has spoken to me. Has anyone had that where it's actually like you thinking, did anybody else hear that? It hasn't happened that often with me, but more so we have had the inward witness. So like for us, like we had it come into our hearts, like when you move from one continent to another, I know in this congregation we have people that were born in other nations, and you know it's a big move when you move from one nation to another. So we, this is our, the third continent that we lived on. Those are like big moves, and you don't want to miss it. But for each one of those moves, it, they were initially planted in our heart. They fell out of heaven. In some cases, it fell into my heart first, and then I shared it with Patsy. We never made a move till the same thing was in her heart. We just kept, it was in us, and God was speaking to us, and we just kept giving it to him, and he would give it back. And normally, with every single one of them, it took from the time it dropped in our heart to the we actually did it was two years. Because you just don't move continents like that quick. you know. And so, so far, every place that we've gone, God has showed us it's obvious that we've gone to the right places even because he supplied all of our needs. It's not like we didn't have any battles. We had some real battles. And Paul the apostle followed God and he got stoned and all that kind of stuff. So we had our stonings and we had our battles, but we have known we've been in the right place at the right time. Okay, but we didn't do it the next day. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's get ready to just kind of like finish up here. Let's do a, another one. The number, number six here, we just want to talk a little bit about God's boundaries and his power. Okay, God's boundaries and his power. So I want you to imagine like a high mountain in Colorado or like the snowy mountains here. I don't know if they're very high down there. Uh, but just picture at the top of a mountain, there's a river that begins. And then that river comes down. Now some mountains... They, they're really big, and they have snow that melts, or it gets rainy, and then the river gets even more powerful. And, I mean, if you get in there, it's going to take you, and you can hardly, it'll, it'll take you somewhere. So picture a powerful river coming down a mountain. What keeps, unless it gets too high and overflows the banks, what keeps that river going down and, and making sure that it doesn't do damage? 
It's the, it's the banks of the river. Okay, so let's just picture this. The, the word of God is the water. I mean, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. The, the river, the water is the Holy Spirit, very powerful. The banks are the word of God, the boundaries. Does that make sense? So God gave us his word, and his word has all the boundaries we need so we don't misuse the Holy Spirit. And as long as we know the word and the word and the Holy Spirit agree, we can be really led by the Holy Spirit and have supernatural leadings and it won't damage anybody else or and it won't damage us because God's word is like boundaries and God's word will help us know how to use the Holy Spirit. Okay, so with all of that in mind, talking about these boundaries, um, here's a few practical thoughts, okay? So if God, uh, here's what we can be sure of when it comes to God's word. If God promised something, okay, the Holy Spirit will not say something opposite to any of us that God promised because the word and the spirit agree. So if you ever hear a voice or hear anything and it doesn't line up with God's word, that's why it's so important to sit under the word. That's why it's so important to know the word because that's like the boundary. So then if a voice comes to you, you know that's not God. So as an example, a voice comes to you and says, well, you have sickness right now and I gave you that sickness because I want to teach you something. Well, you know that's not in the Bible. And so if a voice comes to you, you immediately, nah, that's not God. You know, you immediately identify it because Jesus took, the Bible says he took our sickness. He took it for us. Okay, and it says by his stripes we are healed. There will never be a voice that comes to any Christian saying, I gave you this sickness to teach you something because it doesn't line up with the Bible. That's a voice from somewhere else. Does that make sense? Okay, and here's even another thought. Like when somebody says, uh, you never know what God's going to do. Well, actually, there's a few places where we don't. Like the Bible says nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. So we're, never, we're not going to know the exact day and hour that Jesus is going to come back. We're not going to know that. Then the Bible talks about that there, there are gifts of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit are as he wills, as the Spirit wills. In other words, we can't turn the gifts of the Spirit on and off. It's as he wills. So we don't really know if there's going to be a manifestation of one of the gifts of the Spirit, like the working of miracles or the gift of faith, because it's as he wills. The Bible says to desire and pray for those, and then they're manifested. So we don't really know when those are going to be manifested. But here's what we do know. Anything that God says and he promises it, we know exactly what he's going to do if he said it. Does that make sense? So when somebody said, well, you never know what God's going to do, and like, in other words, if somebody uh, has a problem and they're suffering in an area and there's a promise about that, and then that person, somebody said, well, you never know what God's going to do. Well, actually, if God has a promise that contradicts the problem, we know that God wants to do something, and we it's not mysterious. Anything that God says and promises, it's no longer mysterious. So these, these phrases that people say, well, you never know what God's going to do. Well, in most cases we do because he told us. It takes some of the mystery out of there. There is still a mysterious side to God and there's still a sovereign side to God, but you have to be able to balance them out and understand it. That's why it's really good to know the word of God, okay? And then um, here's another one. Uh, why is God doing this to me? Okay, well, here's what you can know about that. 
if there's anything going on in your life and there is a promise that God gave that is contrary to what's going on, then you simply know it's not God doing it to you. God actually wants to get rid of it. He wants to get you out of that situation because he gave a promise that's contrary to what's going on. So the whole thing is like, I don't know why God's doing it. God's not doing it. If he promised something opposite, he's not doing it. So when we talk about supernatural leadings and all these things, we just know that's not God, okay? So here's a scripture, and then we'll get ready to finish today. John chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he speaks, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. There's two main things that we can pull out of that. Number one, that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. So if, you, if, there, if there's anything that you believe that doesn't line up with the Bible, the Holy Spirit didn't lead you there. Okay, but the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. So the Holy Spirit will lead us into scripture, scriptural truth. But then, like in our case, when the Lord said, move to Australia, well, there wasn't a scripture in the Bible that said, move to Australia. So that was a specific word the Holy Ghost gave us, but he, he also led us into that truth. Now, we took two years and prayed over that for two years, but we came and it has seemed right the whole time. So you see what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, and then the Holy Spirit, secondly, he will declare things that are to come. And even that's the way that he declared to us, we're going to go to Australia. So there's like the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will lead us into all of that, but then the Holy Spirit might say something specific to us, and when that happens, we don't have to do it tomorrow all the time. We can pray over those things. Does that make sense? All right, let's summarize what we said, and we'll close today. Uh, just, Just a few things. First of all, Every Christian can be supernaturally led by God's Holy Spirit. So if you're here today and Jesus is your Lord, you can know this. God wants to supernaturally lead you. It belongs to you. Secondly, we are led forth with peace and not driven or pushed. It's important for every... So anytime that you're feeling like out of peace and you're feeling like, I got to do this, and you know, that's not the Lord. Okay, you're being pushed, driven. You're not being led like because he leads us forth in peace. So anytime that you're out of peace, just say, oh, I'm going to get out of here. Right, I put that on the shelf, and I'm going to enjoy God, and I'm just going to be at rest, and I'm going to be at peace. Kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy, and I'm not going to let that push me or bother me. I choose to stay in peace, okay? Then uh, next, that we are responsible. We are, not God, responsible t- to stay in position to be supernaturally led. So that means when it comes to offense, selfishness, anything that's like that, we're responsible to deal with it so we stay in a position that God can lead us. And then finally, God's Word and Holy Spirit agree, and the Holy Spirit will not say things that disagree with God's Word. And you can come, worship team. The Holy Spirit will not say things that disagree with the Word of God. So that's just a little bit of a summary that we said today. Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that the things that were said, I trust, Father God, that these things are imparted to hearts, to spirits, Father God. And I thank you, Father, that when somebody needs this, that you're so able to bring it up out of the heart, to bring it to, bring it to remembrance. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, thank you, Lord, in advance that uh, everybody in this room stays in peace the kingdom of heaven is righteousness peace and joy and i pray father god that everyone maintains their peace 
and everyone maintains their joy, Father, not being pushed or driven, but continuing to be led in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au. 